Well, good morning, uh, Great Hills Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning us in today. And welcome to everybody else that's tuning us in from all over uh, the country and some places of the world. My name is Danny Forshee, pastor here at Great Hills. Thank you, Brother Jeff uh, and team for leading us uh, in a time of worship. What sweet times, man. We miss you. We miss seeing you here, uh, but we know uh, that you're praying for us. And I have such an incredible uh, sense of peace really amazing, the peace of God that passes all uh, understanding. My wife Ashley and I, we were praying right before uh, I came here and left our, our home, and she was in tears uh, praying uh, how much she would love to be here, and I know so many of you uh, would as well. And so uh, we're in a transition and a process as we recuperate from the catastrophic flood. I'll share more about that and update uh, at the end today. Uh, but I want us to get right on into God's Word, and we just, again, want to welcome you. Those of you that are watching on Facebook, you can take a moment and tune us in like I did a few minutes ago and push the share button. That would be awesome. That lets so many people know uh, that you're worshiping the Lord with us uh, here at Great Hills, and so I encourage you to, to do that. And I just want to give a shout out. There are so many that are helping today, so many in our media uh, ministry and the sound and the video and the coordination and the cameras and it takes, a, um, it takes a Herculean effort to pull off what we, <laughs> what we are doing today. God bless you guys. Appreciate y'all. I can see some of you in there. We love you. We thank you and praise God for you. So we're in the book of Acts, and I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 13. Uh, we are in a verse-by-verse expositional study. It's called Church on the Move, and uh, today we are looking at the expansion of the early church around A.D. 46, as the Apostle Paul, on fire for Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, once a persecutor of the faith, now he's a prince and a champion of the Christian faith. And mm, this man is on fire, and he is preaching the Word of God throughout uh, Antioch of Pisidia, the old Asia Minor. And so we're going to look at his message today. In fact, the title of my sermon is, What a Message... And I'm not talking about my message. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul's sermon. And so in a real way, I am preaching somebody else's sermon today. As we began a couple weeks ago on February the 14th, we began looking at this message that Paul preached. And today we're going to pick right back up where we left off last time. And he begins the sermon in Acts 13, 16, and he concludes it in Acts 13, 41. And so today we're going to look at verses 25 through 41. I know that's a lot of passages of Scripture. In fact, I'm going to look at every verse with you. Just go verse by verse by verse, studying the Word of God, asking the Spirit of God to make application to your heart and to my heart, and that God would just use us today uh, to see many people come to faith in Christ. In fact, that's my desire. That has been my prayer all morning, that many of you listening today would hear it for the first time and you would repent. You would believe in Jesus Christ, and you would be born again by the Spirit of God. Look, God is saving people in this world, all over this world. Millions of people are coming to faith in Christ, and so I'm inviting you to do that today. As you hear this message by the Apostle Paul, preached in Antioch of Pisidia, AD 46, his first of four missionary journeys, his first sermon recorded in the Bible, and his longest, what a message. Robert Frost wrote these words in 1916, very famous poem called The Road Not Taken. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and 
be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then I took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim. I shall be telling this with a sigh ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by and it made all the difference in the world. There are two paths open before every person born on planet earth. There is what Jesus calls in Matthew 7 a very broad path that it's easy and it leads to everlasting destruction. However, Jesus said in, in Matthew 7, 14, there is a narrow path and it's the path of Christ. It's not easy. In fact, Jesus said, take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me. And yet that path leads to a life of abundance abundant life here on this earth and abundant eternal life with Jesus Christ in heaven. I'm telling you, there are two roads and I'm beseeching you, I'm imploring you today to take the road of Christ. It is a narrow, exclusive road, but it's the road of truth. And the apostle Paul is going to preach it eloquently, powerfully, forcefully under the anointing of the spirit of God. And I'm just praying God uses me today that I can preach his word with passion and boldness and compassion as we look into uh, the sacred scriptures, uh, the word uh, of the living God. I want to encourage you uh, listening today, just open up your hearts, open up your minds, and allow the word of God to speak to you. Father, that's our prayer, and I'm praying for every person listening today. Um, thank you, Lord, that they're listening. Thank you that we have this opportunity, that we have the technology, the ability and so we just pray, God, for no distractions. <laughs> I know as, pray, as people are listening in their rooms, their living rooms, or maybe they're outside on their patio, wherever they are, God, I just pray for a minimum of distraction and for just an attention, a listening ear to the Word of God as it is preached today. Lord, my heart is full. I'm just almost at the point of tears even now as I'm so excited and yet so Believe in you, God, that you're going to do a great work in us and through us today as the word of God is being proclaimed. Use us, Lord, we pray. Save people today, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 13, he is preaching, he's traveling, and we'll bring up here on the, on the map, I'll let you look and see where he has left Jerusalem. If you look there on the far right corner, it says Syria, Antioch. That's the church that sent Paul and Barnabas and John Mark out on their journey. They went south to Cyprus. You see the island country of Cyprus there at the lower portion of your map. And then they sailed due north up to Perga. And then from there, they went north some more uh, to Antioch. And that's Antioch of Pisidia. That is uh, Asia Minor. And so that's where Paul is. And he will be preaching the word of God with great power. So what I want to do is I want to... I look at uh, the prophecy. There's so many prophecies in this text. And let's just begin reading in verse 25. And as John was finishing his course, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. So the Apostle Paul, he is preaching in Antioch of Pisidia in the synagogue. He is picking up right with the message of John the Baptist, the last of the Old Testament prophets, okay? He is the segue, he is the introduction, the forerunner to the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. And Paul, he is preaching this. 
He is preaching in verse 25 about John the Baptist, and he keeps going, men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God. To you, the word of this salvation has been sent. For those who dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not know him, nor even the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause for death in him, they asked Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in the tomb. But God, whoo, praise the Lord. Man, I could not wait to read that passage of scripture to you today. I love that phrase, but God, there's difficulty, but God, there's catastrophic flooding, but God, there's discouragement and there's hurt and there's pain and there's sickness. Praise God, he's in control. I couldn't wait to share that with you today. But God, verse 30, raised Jesus from the dead. Mm, come on. He was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings. We declare to you glad tidings. That's one Greek word, euangelizomai. It's where we get the English word evangelism. We evangelize you. That that promise which was made to the fathers, verse 33, God has fulfilled this word for us, uh, their children, in that he has raised up Jesus as it also is written in the second Psalm. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. So, Watch as the Apostle Paul just, just weaves this message seamlessly. As he started with John the Baptist, now he's going back in time to prove the Messiahship of Jesus. This is a powerful message. That's why I call it, what a message. As he is preaching to the Jews and the God-fears, the converts to monotheism. Now, he is telling them the Messiah has been prophesied. Okay, by John the Baptist, by David, and then verse 34, and that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption. He has spoken thus, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to see a corruption. Verse 36, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep, or it means he died, and he was buried, right? with his fathers, and he saw corruption. But he whom God raised up <laughs> saw no corruption. So this is verses 25 through 37. This section in my message deals with the prophetic. And so I want to just take you through for, for a few minutes an in-depth Bible study on the prophecies of Jesus. I do not know how anybody could read this passage of Scripture and, and look at the hundreds, even thousands of years before he ever came, how Jesus was prophesied and how God fulfilled all of those prophecies in the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Come on now. He died and he arose. Man, that's the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. He was prophesied of old. He came, he lived, he was buried after they crucified him. Then up from the grave, Jesus Christ arose from the dead. You're looking at me saying, how in the world does that impact me? What does a message preached 2,000 years ago have to do with me and my life and my family, my marriage, my eternity? Well, it has everything to do with it. Because if you really believe that 
God is real and Jesus died and arose from the dead, it changes everything. It changes the way you live your life. It changes the way you treat your wife. It changes the way you lead your family, treat your husband. Look, it changes everything when you believe, when you repent, when you say, God, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Today, that's my prayer for you today, that you would believe in the prophecies. You would trust that God is true to his word and that with all that is within you, you will cast yourself upon the mercy of God and receive his forgiveness. Verse 25, it's John the Baptist. Matthew 11, 11 uh, is the passage of scripture that is referenced here. And it is a clear reference to John and his teaching and his message. John 3, 11 is, is another passage uh, that John uh, is the proclaimer. He is the preacher. And the apostle Paul is making reference to uh, Matthew 3.11. Let me look at it with you real quick. Matthew 3.11 says, Indeed, John says, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. Mm. Come on. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Look, have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit of God and fire? You say, well, I don't know. Have a look. When you receive Christ, mm, repent of your sins, trust in him and him alone for salvation. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit of God, he comes to you, saves you, fills you, anoints you, gives you this passion to live for the Son of God. John the Baptist, he preached this. Verse 26, look at it with me. Acts 13, 26, Paul identifies his audience as he did in verse 16, as God-fearers and as Jews of Judaism. He says, the one about whom the prophets predicted, he has come. He has come in your very lifetime. Can you imagine that? Paul is preaching to those people just a few years prior. Uh, in Jerusalem, they had crucified the Lord of glory. And, and Paul will go on. This is a powerful message. And he will tell them, look, you did this in ignorance, but you did it in fulfillment of God's eternal plan that Jesus Christ would die and he would be buried and, and raised from the dead. What a joy it is to know Christ mm. and to preach this same gospel. Here I am, nearly 2,000 years removed, and I am I'm baptized by the Holy Spirit and fire. That's for every believer who calls upon the name above every name, Jesus. Have you done that? Friend, look, have you done that today? Have you asked God's forgiveness of your sins? Now, when you do that and you mean it, God saves you. He comes into your life. Why don't you do it now? If you haven't already trusted in Christ, trust in him right now for salvation. It is the same gospel that Paul preached. It's the same gospel that's been preached for 2,000 years. I love preaching the gospel, and I love sharing the gospel. Just last Monday, just a few days ago, my wife and I were in Irving, Texas at the Empower Evangelism Conference. I was speaking two times on for the one. Who is your one for the day to share Christ with? And so Ashley dropped me off at a local restaurant. She went on to meet her sister and Michelle for lunch there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I went into this restaurant, and um, I didn't see anybody but the servers, the staff, the cooks, the people, and I looked around me. There was nobody in this restaurant, and it was 12 o'clock. I was speaking at 1 o'clock, so I had time to get a quick bite to eat. Nobody came in this restaurant, 
And so I took that as, hey, God's closed the doors so that I can witness and share with this young lady. And that's exactly what I did. I said, ma'am, where is everybody? She goes, well, you know, it's just maybe slow time. I said, how long y'all been open? She said, about four years. I said, okay. I said, I don't know where everybody is. I said, but is there anything I can pray for you about? And she said, wow. She said, yeah, pray for motivation. Now, I don't know that I've ever had anybody tell me that. I've asked hundreds of people, how can I pray for you? She said, pray for motivation. And I said, okay. She goes, but I'm not really a person of prayer, but I do believe in a source. I believe a source of power, a being who is out there somewhere. And I was like, oh, lady, let me tell you, the source has a name. The power, the force, the source that you're talking about has a name. His name is Jesus. So I just preached the gospel to that one lady. She wasn't going anywhere. There were no more customers to serve. And I just got the pristine honor of taking her through the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow, that was so fun. And I get excited when I do that for one person as if I'm doing it for thousands of people like I am today through this broadcast. I said, do you have a Bible? And she said, well, no. And I said, well, let me, let me show you the version Bible. So we pulled up the app, the version. She said, this is great. And she said, thank you so much for sharing this with me. And I said, also, I said, I happen to write a daily devotional. It goes out to about 7,000 people across the world. It's free. You can sign up. She goes, nope. And I thought, oh, I must have offended her, said something. She said, nope. She said, 7,001. <laughs> 7,001. I want to sign up. I want to learn more. The gospel. Hope has a name. Peace has a name. Joy has a name. His name is Jesus. So verse, uh, well, let, me, let me wipe my eyes here for just a second. Can't see. Mm. Verse 27, Paul is boldly preaching the gospel, the heart of the message of Jesus Christ to those hearers. They read the prophets. He said, you read them every day on the Sabbath, and you have fulfilled the prophecies, but you don't realize that you have fulfilled the very prophecies when you have crucified the Messiah. Oh, goodness. There is a broad road most travel. It's traveled by those in Paul's audience then. It's traveled by my audience today. I'm no Apostle Paul. Uh, you will hear better sermons from better pastors, but you'll never hear a better gospel. There's only one gospel that saves. And Paul's going to tell the Jews then, he goes, look, you couldn't make it to heaven. You couldn't obey the Mosaic laws. You were found weighing in the balance of God's judgment. And, and God says that to all religions. Look, your Buddhism is not sufficient to get you to heaven. Neither is your Islam. 
If Paul would tell the Jews that then, he would tell everybody else that today there is a way and it's narrow and it is the way of the cross. Jesus Christ has died. He was buried and he arose from the dead and all who trust in him and him alone. Look, you say that is so exclusive and that is so judgmental. And I would say, no, it's not. If it's true, if it's true, then God forbid that I don't share it. If there's another way to heaven, then go find it. But there is none. There are broad ways that lead to destruction, but there's one way that leads to eternal life. Verse 28, 29, Paul continues his sermon. How the rulers of the Jews, they, he said they found no fault. They found no fault in Jesus, but they still condemned him to death. They took him down from the tree. Did you see that? From the cross. And they placed him in the tomb. Now, I'm going to go through some prophecies with you, and these are phenomenal. This is just a very cursory. There's 450-something prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament, but I'm only going to take a few. Numbers 21, 8, and 9, written 1,500 years before the time of Christ. Jesus quoted this sermon, or he quoted this episode in Numbers in John chapter 3, in verse 14, when he said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so the Son of Man will be lifted up and die for all. There it is. A beautiful prophecy, 1,500 years before the time of Christ. Another one is Psalm 69, 4. It says, by being my enemies wrongfully. This was written by David, prophesying of the Messiah who would be accused wrongfully 1,000 years before the time of Christ. Isaiah, mm, mm, come on now, Isaiah 53, the suffering servant passage. In verse 10, it speaks of the death of that person, that servant who would be wounded for our transgressions. He would be crucified, he would die, but God would raise him from the dead. That was 700 years before the time of Christ. Zechariah 12, 10, 500 years before Jesus' death, described that he would be pierced Check it out if you don't believe it. Zechariah 12, 10, he would be pierced and Jesus was pierced. All these prophecies, Paul says, were predicted and they've come to fruition in one man, one God man, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 30, come now. Mm -mm -mm. Son. But God... Raised him up. That's our gospel, by the way. That is our hope. No other person can claim resurrection from the dead, never to die again. I call these seven incredible, life-giving, hope-inspiring, Satan-killing words. But God raised him from the dead. Now, if you're studying this text closely with me, you'll notice this, is, this will be four times in this one sermon that Paul will refer to the resurrection because that is the central tenet. That is the foundational doctrinal truth of Christianity. That Jesus died a substitutionary death and he was buried and he arose from the dead. And if he did that, then he is God. And all the prophecies are true. All the miracles, everything that he did and said have been exonerated and proven to be true. Why? Because the death, the grave, could not hold the Son of God. Mm. Man, 1 
Verse 31, Jesus was seen 40 days, Acts 1-3 says. 500 people saw him in 1 Corinthians 15-6. Why could they see him? Because he was alive. How did I see him? With the eyes of faith as a teenager, how did I come to God for salvation? I saw him. No, not physically like Paul did on the road to Damascus. No, not like Peter and John did, but I saw him. I saw the grace of God in the word of God. And by the spirit of God, I yielded myself to Christ. And I was born again. The spirit of God came into me. Has that happened to you, friend? No, listen, seriously. Has that happened? You say, I don't know. Well, you need to know. You will know if it really happened because it will change you. It will change your life. It'll change the way you talk. It'll change the way you look. It'll change everything about you because you'll be so, come on now, you'll be baptized by the Spirit of God and fire. And let me tell you, when that happens, you know it. There's a change in your life. That change is brought about by Jesus Christ. You say, well, how do I get that, Pastor? How do I know without a doubt that I can know Christ as my Savior and He can take away my pain and my addictions and my bondage and my slavery? I'm telling you, friend, here's what you do. You say, oh, God, save my soul. And He will. He will. You say, well, how do you know? I know I was there. It happened to me. It happened to all of these people in the Bible, and it will happen to you. Believe and repent. Surrender to Christ today, right now. All these prophecies. I love verse 32. The words declare glad tidings to you in Greek is one word, evangelism. (laughs) Uengalitso. It's the present middle voice, and I love that because a good translation would be, we ourselves keep on sharing the good news with you. Mm. This is good news, friend. I don't know any other news quite like this news, that this is a narrow path. You say no to all gods and goddesses. You say no to yourself, and you say yes to Christ. That is a very narrow path, and Jesus said, few find it. But broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many find that because it's a road of ease. It's a road of unbelief and live however you want to live. But Jesus says, come and die. (laughs) Die to yourself and be born again unto eternal life. I came across these words from one biblical scholar, and I want to read it to you. It says, Jesus gave his body for us who believe in him. Our gracious, loving, magnanimous, merciful God became incarnate, not for himself, but he did it all for us. Whether a person wants or receives the benefit of that sacrifice, that's your choice. But Jesus made it, and he offers it for every person. He paid the ransom for everyone who would be freed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Save people, oh God. Ooh, there's something about preaching the gospel. Just straight up preaching the Bible verse by verse, line upon line. There is power and anointing. I'm having a hard time even speaking. And it's not me. There's nothing in me of me that is good except Christ, but his word is all sufficient. Woo, come on. Verses 33 through 35, he gives three prophetic Old Testament passages. And Paul tells us who these people are. 
in what they said. And I want you to look at them with me, please. Verses 33 through 35, number one, he refers in verse 33 to Psalm 2-7. He literally quotes Psalm 2-7. Here the words raised up refer to the incarnation of Jesus Christ and how God anointed him to be the Messiah. Secondly, Paul refers to Isaiah 55-3 in verse 34. The sure mercies of David refer to the promise that the Messiah, now watch this, would come from the lineage of King David. That's so significant. And you can trace Jesus' lineage all the way back through, goes right through the loins of the tribe of Judah of King David. That's very important. Number three, he quotes Psalm 1610 in verse 35. I hope you're studying this with me. I hope you're looking at your Bible. Verse 35, it will read, um, Psalm 16.10, Peter quotes the same verse in his sermon at Pentecost in Acts 2.31. This verse could not refer to David because David died. His body experienced decomposition. He did not have a physical, visceral, bodily resurrection. David did not. But I'm telling you, the offspring of David did, most definitely did. My word, friend. He arose from the dead. The tomb in Jerusalem is empty. There is no decay. There's no decomposition for the Son of God for the grave could not keep him. He's alive. Trust in him. Ah, land, who is the sermon for? Who is God saving today? Who is he saving? It must be somebody would you let us, just let us know about it. I, I want to seriously, I would just love to hear. And you can contact us in a number of ways through that connection card or through your Facebook description box. Just say, it's me. Now, thank you, by the way. You don't know me, but your whole sermon was for me. God put it on your heart so powerfully that that's what it took for my soul to be saved. Praise God. Praise God. He's still saving people. Whoo, that's just the prophecy. Now I got to move on to the present, right? Verses 38 through 41. You sure you're going to read all those? Yes, I am. Well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> this is all we've got, man. This is all we need. This is God's word. Yeah, I'm in a bad way in here. I should have brought more tissue. All right. Verse 38 says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. All right. I'm in Acts 13. I'm in verse 38. Do y'all see that? Can y'all pull that up on the screen there? I'm in Acts 13, 38. All right. And this has to do with the current audience that Paul is preaching to in A.D. 46, Antioch of Pisidia. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Thank you. Ask and you shall receive. Amen. Woo. I'm in a bad way here, but I'm in a good way now. Sorry about that. Should have turned the microphone off, but amen. 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, Paul says, to you, brethren, that through this man, oh, the man, this is what he calls Jesus in uh, Acts 17, I think it's 31, 32, the man, 
Jesus is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him, everyone who believes. That's you. That's you. You believe you're justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. That is so incredibly powerful. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come upon you. Behold, you despisers, you marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were declare it to you. Paul says in verse 38, he says, Therefore, therefore, in light of everything that I've shared with you, I am delivering this message of the gospel to you in Antioch of Pisidia, in this very synagogue, and we transfer that from then till today. All that Pastor Danny has shared with you in all of this whole sermon, it is culminating, it is coming to this point of fruition. It's not preached in vain. All of this work, all of this broadcast, and all of this effort is not in vain. This is for you, that you would hear the message of the gospel preached. Verse 39, Paul specifically tells his hearers how they can be forgiven. Isn't that precious? I mean, isn't that what everybody wants? Is to be made right, to be forgiven, to know that our sins are washed away. You say, could it be? What, what religion offers that? No religion offers that. Only Jesus offers that. No, I'm serious. He died, and as the God-man he arose from the dead. He paid the price for your sin and mine. He arose from the dead. That's it. And many of you are believing. Many of you are trusting. Some of you are not to your own eternal damnation and shame. Look, you reject this message. You're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the love of God. And for an eternity in hell, you will ponder today. You will ponder this day that with tears and with passion and with brokenness, I declare to you, you are a sinner going to hell. And all you gotta do is grab a hold of Christ, the life preserver, and you can be saved. You can be rescued. Do it, my friend. Do it now. Why delay? Why put it off? You're not guaranteed a tomorrow. I'm not either. So I'm sharing you with everything that is within me. Trust in Christ and Him alone. I love the word justified. Paul says you will be justified. It's the only other time that Luke records the word justification in his writings. Now, Paul will say it a lot in Romans and other places, but Luke remembers writing Acts. And the other one is Luke 18, 13, and 14. It's the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He stood afar off, and he would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but he Beat his breast. Come on now, people. Read that. Look at that. That's you. That's you today. Here's what you need to say. You say, but I'm a sinner. Yes, you are. Admit it. Be merciful to me, O God, a sinner. Mm. Jesus said, I tell you, that man went down to his house justified. It's a forensic term. It's a legal term. It's as if you've never sinned. God washes you white as snow. The humble sinner is justified, but the person who exalts himself is not justified. He will be humbled. He takes the broad path. But he who humbles himself 
will be exalted. That's the narrow path. What path are you on? Let me ask you this. The path that you're on, where will it lead you? Will it lead you to heaven? Or will it lead you to hell? Are you leading your family to heaven? Are you leading them to an eternal separation from God? Well, this is the decision. And I'll leave you with this. All of us are called upon by God to make a decision. Look, let's just say this is a courtroom today and I'm prosecuting the case for Christ. And you, you're the jury. You, you need to decide, decide, decide today. Is all this true or is it false? What, what is your heart telling you? What is God speaking to your heart? And what is he telling you through his word, through all the prophecies, through all the people whose lives have been changed, through the very miracle of a broadcast of me preaching the gospel here in Austin, Texas that is reaching out all over the world and it's coming to you. Man, God's coming for you. And when he comes for you, surrender. Surrender to Christ now. No, 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 not tomorrow, not after lunch, but now. Say, Lord, I'm yours. And I give you my life. Hebrews 2, 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Unless you're driving, please don't do that. You'll have a wreck. You can keep your eyes open if you need to. And just say, Lord, it's me. It's me. And I give you my life today, Christ. I surrender all. I take the narrow path because I know it's the right path. If that is you, here's what I want you to do. Just raise your hand. Raise it high. You say, why in the world am I doing that? Nobody can see me. God sees you. God sees you, friend. Raise it. You say, well, there's people in the room. Hallelujah. Let them see it. And when they see your hand lifted high, They'll know you've trusted Christ. And they know you've been born again by the Spirit of God. Christians, if you're in the room with somebody that just raised their hand, then celebrate. Celebrate with them right now. Just go ahead and say congratulations. Congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. Look, if you're by yourself, here's what I want you to do. You got to let me know somehow, some way, get this message to me. You can go to ghbc.org slash connect. You can just write it out. Pastor Danny, I received Christ today. On your Facebook, don't be ashamed. Just say, it's me, God. It's me. I give my life to Christ today. Mercy. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for saving people. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that you have heard our cry for salvation. And God, you have heard and you have answered. And I just want to pray right now for every person who have given their life to Christ today. Lord, that you would bless them, encourage them, secure them, and let them reach out to us. God, give them the courage to reach out so that we can reach back with a pastor, with a counselor, and encourage them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh, man. Thank you, Lord. Do you see why I call this what a message? 
Praise God. We're going to sing, all right? We're going to sing a little bit more. Jeff, why don't y'all lead us as we just let people just kind of soak this message in. God bless you as we sing one more time.